You're tuned in to Cowl Fans, a popped-off podcast, the casual fans' home for Overwatch League news. We're coming at you from two completely different locations, neither of which are the first Brandon studio in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> I'm Alura Moore. I'm Howler. And, and I can't feel you, Alura Moore. Where are you? I know. Hello? I know. It's We're so far away from each other. Howler's <laughs> on vacation. Yes. Um, I am in... The mountains of New Jersey, which I don't think many non-Jerseyans or even some Jerseyans know exist. It's it's beautiful there, from what I saw. So. <laughs> there are pupper dogs. Yes, are they in frame? Yep, they really are. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so yeah, so. We'll just uh, we'll jump right into our hometown, Florida, and what just happened to them this past week. Which was actually mm. that they listened to me a little bit, which I have to say, I'm happy that they did that. It makes me feel good as a fan, feel listened to. Hmm. It was all for you. It was all for me. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I cost us this. So they opened up with they opened up with their what was basically their roster that took the win from the Houston Outlaws. Yeah, and just rain with was rain subbed in instead it. of Chris. Right. Yeah. Which uh there seems to be a consensus amongst the fans that Rain should be a better main support than Chris. So that seems mm. reasonable. Yeah. Um, and they did not do a good job. That was not good. They opened up the first two maps, got kind of rolled. It looked just like Florida's been looking the whole season. So yep. um, makes it sort of feel like Houston was a was a fluke. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what happens as we go forward. Mm. Um, then in the second half of the game, they subbed out uh, BQB and Zephyr for DPI and Gargoyle. So two of their three other new players, and they really didn't look any better. They looked like a team with no synergy, which, I mean, I guess is kind of how we always look, but it also mm. makes sense right now because these are two brand new players who've been practicing with the team for about a week, and they just it makes sense for them not to have the synergy with the team yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would... Warn against really digging into this map too much and perceiving too much about it, about our new players in the Florida Mayhem in general. Like, yes. if you watch Thursday night's game, uh, Valiant versus the Spark, the Spark made Valiant look like fools with no synergy, right? That's and true. I think the Va LA Valiant have established themselves as at least a top five team in this stage. Um, I think the Spark are probably my favorites to win the Stage 3 playoffs. This is a team that's looking excellent right now. Um, would it have been nice to, nice to put up a little bit more of a fight than what we did? Sure, sure. But, like, this is this feels like running into the Vancouver Titans in Stage 1 when they were, like, super hot, or Stage 2 San Francisco Shock, right? Like, this is... This was going to be a tough matchup um, for anybody, even like a five through eight team probably would like think about the London Spitfire. They got made like fools by the um, LA Valiant a few days later who were beat up by the spark. So right, right. it's a tough, it's a tough match. Um, I, I would definitely, as you were saying or alluding to look towards the Atlanta homestand, maybe not the New York game, but 
um, you could definitely see something go down um, in that Atlanta game, I think, because they've looked a little shaky. They're 0-5, right? They've played good teams, but they also lost to the Philadelphia Fusion. Yeah, so. really good good chance of the Atlanta feeling sort of that mental boom that people talk about. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically it. We just have to wait and see what's going to happen to Florida in the upcoming weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they're not, they're not going to be in stage playoffs. Um, so we get to see just exactly what they can do with some time to practice. Yep. Okay. So moving on into our, uh, noteworthy things that went on this past week. Um, I'm going to start here with the gladiators have taken L to the Titans who didn't look yeah. good against the Valiant, but who looked very good against the gladiators yes but they totally revamped their roster right they did what i was predicting and asking for on the tweeter right they brought in stitch they started running more dps comps they tried to play the meta rather than just being stuck in their old ways um i think that match against valiant was a big wake-up call you even heard like harsha talking about it on some podcasts and like yeah, you know, we didn't we didn't have the right read on the meta. The Valiant did, um, and they plan to fix that. And it definitely looks like from I wasn't able to watch the match too much. I've been on vacation, but I was trying to kind of like look at comps when I could, look at the players who were there, just keep up with Twitter, my Twitter feed, and see what people were saying. And it definitely seems like they had a better read, running more DPS, running more somber based comps. They were running. They had Janu subbed out, right? Uh, subbed out for Stitch. I think it was John who subbed out for Stitch. And so you had the three DPS. So the same way New York, Houston, and the Outlaws are playing things now. Sub out your Diva player, put in a Sombra player. And then that way you don't ruin your um, Brigitte and Zarya synergy. You still have that there. And now you just have an excellent Sombra player as well. Yeah. Um, And I imagine I really want to go back and watch this game because I want to get a sense of how good they're going to be in the playoff. But I imagine this is a really strong look for them. Yeah, I it was a strong look. They did look very, very well put together. And I do remember Harsha basically saying um, not even just that they had the wrong read on the meta, but that they had a feeling that this is where the meta was going and they just had decided not to move yet. Yes. Right. So I mean, even if you look at the San Francisco shock, they're still running goats. And they're making it work, but it seems like their Baptiste goat style counters this meta better than the traditional three three, like the original goats comp yeah. that Titan prefers. Plus, Rascal is just good at stuff. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, he is. He's really good at things. <laughs> yes. um, I'm going to talk about some player movement next. Okay. Uh, the first one is Fisher left the dynasty. Mm. Lots of people mm-hmm. have feelings about this. Um, yeah, then just. just- if you haven't heard this news yet, somehow, um, he didn't just leave like a la LA Gladiators. Uh, right. Fisher right. retired from the Overwatch League. Yes, and parted ways mutually with the Dynasty. There was an agreement mm-hmm. made between him and the team. Um, yes. And there's a lot of people who are really like disappointed um, in ways that I think are a little excessive. People are overreacting, I think, to this a little bit. Um, not in that not in that Fisher wasn't an amazing player and didn't add a ton to the league because he did. He added so much to the mm-hmm. league. Um, if if nothing else, he added a, a load of drama and entertainment to the league, not to the fact that he was a very good player. 
Um, mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, this is a very young league. The game in and of itself is just a little over three years old. The league is in the middle yeah. of its second year. Um, I guess you could count beta, and then there's some more time added into the game life, but whatever. Okay. Um, the, the kind of maturity that you see in uh, leagues that have been around longer and even traditional sports just isn't here mm-hmm. yet for the Overwatch League. I think the yes. kind of reactions that people are having and saying, oh, he just got he got bored is kind of what it sounds like if you read his the reasons he's leaving. Yes. Yeah, the whole people going, oh, he got bored. Of course he got bored. This this is terrible. The whole league is awful. I think that's a little that's a little excessive. Yes. It's just not that's a very mature league. league. And so mm. people aren't <laughs> people aren't used to yeah. dealing with that, pushing through those kinds of things. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Hello, Father. Good to see you. Hi. <laughs> that's that's the cowl, Dad. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> um, but I would definitely agree. Um the overreaction of like this is just burnout kind of like you were hearing a lot in stage one um it definitely seems like that's gone away a bit mm-hmm. um i think the reactions of we're losing a great player definitely can that's relate fair. to that like fissure was one of the best to do it he was runner up to the mv for the mvp position last year yeah. so this was, was a, a fantastic player roster yeah he was a huge personality as well which is honestly in this league something we're probably lacking the most is just good personality from our players it just seems like a dime a dozen that we get one of those so definitely a big loss um what i feel like this is and what the league is going through you say it's an immature league um, i would definitely agree with that but i think it's an immature system that we've built up and we don't have a chance to experience in an earlier stage, what I would like to go ahead and call Troy Barnes syndrome. Oh gosh, like <laughs> where <this>. you <laughs> please elaborate. Where you you turn out to be excellent at your game, at your sport, right? And you're you're climbing to the top. Everything's going good, and then for whatever reason, be it the pressure, um, just the the grind of it all, just kind of hits you, and you realize you don't want to do this anymore. And so you're going to fake an injury by, I don't remember what he did, doing a, doing a cartwheel, a keg flip. <laughs> yes. And while he's still in like the lower echelons of the league, right? A lot of these players are, that are retiring in the Overwatch League probably would have retired in high school, college, or minor leagues, right? Yeah. But they don't have an eight-year funnel to go through to the Overwatch League. You have dudes like I'm 37 who came up basically yeah when at the new year like the turn of 2019 nobody knew who i am 37 was then he starts doing some open division he goes from open division to contenders and overwatch league in like literally a week i think it was it was crazy so so you have guys like this like that sort of guy like he hasn't retired yet thank god but like these sorts of guys are just not going to have experience and fissure yes was around during apex but still like if you think about it, that's probably, that was what, three years worth of time, three, maybe close to four. That's like just playing through four years of high school. Yeah. Um, so I feel like a lot of the times the players you get in traditional sports leagues are more mature and they've been through the fire and they're, they're hardened by it. Right. Um, and so they're ready for the pressures of the league. These people are a lot younger 
um, and a lot less experience in this sort of environment. A lot of them haven't even held a job. Um, so the fact that you're holding a position and one that's so intense, like they're not working normal hours. They're working mm-hmm. way more than the average person and more days than the average person. Yep. So it, it, it's tough. So I can, I can relate to that. And I think as we better flesh out over time, um, the path to pro, I think this retiring issue will be less and less of an issue, but unfortunately in these infant stages, I think Fisher's definitely not the last person who's going to retire. Absolutely not. But we do get to see some veteran faces added into the league this week as well. So yes. there's some light at the end of this tunnel because Mr. Logics mm. and the almighty Mangachu have been added to the <laughs> Toronto Defiant. And what a yes, show they put baby. up last night. Yeah, oh they goodness. looked... Uh... They looked good. I definitely, so they, their, their first match, they just brought in Mangachu and it, they had some good looks. That was against the gladiators. Yeah. But Mangachu um, was mostly but in break. They were missing that extra thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I still think this team could look better. I don't think it's going to really affect them too much because I mean, we have the rumored two, two, two lock coming up. Right. Yeah, so we'll talk about that it almost, <laughs> it almost doesn't matter <laughs> this next week, right. but um, they definitely look better with Logics. Log- Logics and Mangachu have established synergy. They used to play on XL2 together um, back in Contenders Season 1, I guess I would have been, or Season 2. I forget how they label everything, but last year, the right. second season of last year's Contenders. Um, so these guys have established synergy. There's probably better communication. I think Ivy's the only person who hadn't played on a mixed roster. Now you have six players who have played on a mixed roster. You should assume there's at least minimal communication barriers now, and they definitely looked better. Um, I would like to see the Toronto Defiant and really every team um, who didn't do this this week, um, London and um, Dallas. I'm looking at you guys, even though I don't think either of you play. So, yeah. um, I don't think they But do. I would like to see teams in this meta sub out their diva. Sub it out. It's, it's the meta. I'm sorry. It's the meta. You have great diva players. I understand. Sub them out. Man, you need to be about. running triple, triple DPS and triple DPS goats with sombra so you just sombra and then you have your zarya and brig players can't as your dps goats anymore player if you run a triple dps buddy sorry just well can't. triple dps players right mm-hmm. so dps players were never playing dps the past two stages but we still call them dps players even though they were playing a tank in the support yeah so you run your three dps players but your dps player who played zarya your dps player who played brig and then you bring in a third dps player who plays sombra that's their best look and they've been they've still been running gods they looked better with logics in but i think if they brought ivy back in on zarya and then had logics play sombra or vice versa have ivy play sombra logic on zarya i think that would look better for the team so we'll see if they pull that out at atlanta um but they definitely seem like they're on the rise especially after their tough stage two and start to stage three so it finally seems like things are starting to click so um it's definitely making our match against them because we're going to play them twice next stage stage. those are going to be two matches i'm really looking out for because we're we're both kind of looking like we're on the up yes we had a hard week but we had that good game against houston we're adding new pieces to our roster um i think that'll be a really exciting clash of philosophies and i think i brought that up a lot on this show you did you did i super (laughs) i super agree with all of that i think that's really good uh thoughts um, I had some other thought in my head, which I cannot recall now. So I guess I'm going to move on. 
<laughs> oh yeah, there it All is. Right. Um, can you imagine? Oh. Can you imagine this? Like a year ago, if anybody would have said, "Oh, Diva is going out of meta," I think we all would have. You would have gotten like no mistake. Honestly, you could hardly imagine it like two months ago, right? right. People, yeah. people are just always complaining. Oh, nerf, nerf Diva! Like literally, think, the next patch, Diva's going to be nerfed because yeah, think, so many people were just like, "You can't get rid of." Diva. <laughs> I think really what's happened is even in the triple DPS, right? Because you would think Diva eats the triple DPS damage, but people have just yeah. learned that Zarya can do that kind of damage to the point where it doesn't matter that you don't have the Diva anymore. Um, yeah, I mean Zarya can just left click into a Diva, right, and right. they're gone. And even if you're running like an actual triple DPS where you're running like damage dealing heroes, what you can do is a lot of times, like you especially see this in bunker comps, you set up crossfires. Diva can only look one way. Do you look at the Bastion or do you look at the damage boosted Hanzo storm arrowing you from the side? Right, right. like you can't win. <laughs> no, so it's it's crazy that this is finally where we've come. People's understanding mm. of this game has really, really grown over time. And it's just really definitely, and especially with the introduction of goats, right? Right. Like we've definitely upped our understanding of just this game. I think this game had been very FPS centered. We definitely started to embrace more of the MOBA aspects, and we are looking at things like cooldowns. And I think ultimates more than ever are more important, and that's why you're seeing a shift away from Diva to Zarya, just because. Zarya has such a strong ultimate, right? To be able yeah. to lock everybody in place. Graviton's always been one of the strongest ultimates. It's just Divas had one of the strongest kits. But now people are realizing not only can um, Zarya's kit be strong in the Scouts meta where they can, there's a lot of damage. You can easily get a shield onto someone that's going to get a lot of charge. You don't have to worry about shielding someone who's diving and then they take no damage. Right. Um, damage is pretty easy to uh to charge up but you have this ultimate that's incredibly strong and you can use the win team fights and emp is the same thing and that's like what this meta is all about is these strong ultimates yeah. to win team fights so it's it's cool to see the evolution and it'll definitely be interesting to see how it continues it is and i think this is a good segue into the 222 lock that's been rumored um yeah the teams have been learning this game better and they're becoming better at it they're learning mm -hmm. how to use Zarya's instead of Divas, things that we would have never imagined happening to the point where we've got nerfs coming in for some of these heroes that we would never have, uh, that now look kind of silly, but back then would have looked absolutely necessary and still like not enough. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're going into now of all times, we're got the rumored from, from Fissure after his retirement claimed that they announced to all the players that 222 lock is coming in stage four. Yes. This is, I, 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 for a minute, I was wondering, and I'm not wondering this anymore because I think the answer is no, it's not. For a minute, I was wondering, are is our shift away from goats based on the fact that two 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 lock is coming? But looking at mm -hmm. these people go up against teams like San Francisco Shock, who are still playing goats, I, yes. I don't think the answer is yes. And also, they're not mm -hmm. playing two two two. Most of the time, most of the time it's triple DPS and weird other combinations, yeah. single tanks or mm -hmm. single healers. And it makes me go, no, this can't be because of 2 right? 2 And I mean, just look at it. the league standings. Um, yeah. The majority of the league, like except like the top three and the bottom two, are neck and neck into making it into the playoffs or into the play-ins or falling out, right? right. Like 
the, the league is on a blade's edge. So to think that you can just run suboptimal comps because um, you want to prepare for the future, like every match no matters yeah. more than ever. Like there's, there's very few teams that could really throw in the towel like that. And they're not. <laughs> right. So like, as you said, there was ghost shock is one of those teams that could probably do that. They're still running goats. So like, right. yeah. So it's, it's craziness to me, just what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes me kind of sad to see a two, two, two lot coming in when we're seeing all this better understanding finally happening. Yeah. I feel like two, two, two lock was going to be necessary. Um, um, definitely from, I think you've even said this, like from the standpoint of it's a better gameplay experience for the average player. Absolutely. And then you want the pro professional scene to mirror the casual scene. So you would need, if two, two lock goes one place it needs to go the other. Um, the one thing I don't like is don't hear any rumblings about two, two, two lock hitting the casual scene. I don't want to hit the pro scene first. And it just feels like bad timing. If they were going to do this, I feel like they should have done it in stage three, not stage four. Like I understand like people are like, Oh, meta shifts happen. It's like an esports game. Stop like being ridiculous. And I'm like, I agree, but this isn't a meta shift. This is a fundamental rule change. Right. I feel like those sorts of things should not happen mid season. Those should be held until the next season. And considering two, two, two lock is going to need extreme balancing adjustment because we have buffed up damage so much to deal with the healing and tanking output that, um, three, three has introduced to the game. Like, a lot of times when you're playing two, two, two as a main tank or an off tank, you just melt nowadays because DPS heroes are so strong. Like yes. you could, I, you could buff tanks a lot more so they can actually control space better. Like I think this is going to be a positive change for like how the game interacts with each other as well, but you need to do so much adjustments to many heroes. I would have rather this be introduced um, like, mid playoffs into the casual scene or something right Mm, um where it's hitting the casual scene it's not in the pro scene yet because they had already started whatever they were doing and then give those however many three four five months for the for the devs to start balancing what 222 needs to look like because it's going to be a broken mess i feel like there's going to be some really broken heroes and some really just worthless heroes as we switch into this meta so i would have liked more time to see them iterate it maybe they do have a big patch in plan because i think you just introduced 222 without a patch to balance these heroes it's going to be suboptimal i mean mean, you'll just see some 222 comps even right now so it's not like there aren't any 222 comps that are strong today yeah Um, so, for sure like hack fist has been a thing in hack korea is, for um, the past two years <laughs> well and we've been seeing i've been seeing some shoot we saw some sombra may play for crying out loud that did okay you know like there are yeah there are just there are definitely compositions right now in 222 that will still work so it's mm. not like it's gonna ruin everything um, i think we're not gonna have the diversity that we could and we're in no, a very diverse meta and so it would have been excited to with two 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 lock been able to switch into an equally as diverse meta but right. i think it is it's not going to be as diverse because i think your options of heroes are going to be limited I, um maybe that's not true but that's how i'm kind of feeling i right also now. have a fundamental disagreement with those people who say 
that if the meta is different in their competitive games and ranked games than it is in the Overwatch League, people would be disinterested because I know that the average ranked player is in silver and gold. That's where the majority of them exist. And none of them see the same kind of gameplay or styles as the Overwatch League. Even if 2-2-2 comes in, I'm certain that they're not going to see it, even still in their ranked games. They're, for them, that experience is impossible to attain. It's really only possible for the top echelon of players to even have something that looks like what Overwatch League players and pro players are playing. And so I think that that argument is kind of, well, silly. <laughs> Um, no, because I mean, if you remember back to like stage four, though, there were a lot of complaints of people when they buffed Hanzo and the buffed Hanzo wasn't put into the game. Like people wanted to see buffed Hanzo. Right. So I kind of get it from like a stand from from that sort of standpoint. Oh, like yeah. you do when you know these new heroes are really strong now, or a new hero gets introduced, you want to see it in the hands of the pros. Oh yes, for sure. You want even see if like those kinds of things in the, the gameplay the experience isn't going to like perfectly match up because they're so much better than a silver or gold player, but you yes. still want like, you want to know they're using the same tools as you. I, I, I understand that. I just don't feel like the two, two, two lock and creating a, uh, what I think would ultimately be an easier system for queuing and ranking and all of those things that would come along mm -hmm. with that. I don't think having that in competitive play would really ruin it for most people. I just think the people who are speaking the loudest are the people who are the ones who are the most invested in the game and who are the higher ranks. I remember back when we played WoW, you and I were both, um, us, at least for Burning Crusade, we were pretty. I was pretty high up doing the high-end mm -hmm. raids and stuff. I had a great time doing that. And I remember advocating for things to stay challenging, to stay difficult, to stay the same all the way across. And, and I, it's only later that I realized that the majority of the people who played World of Warcraft just didn't see those upper echelon raids that they see them more now than they used to you know sure and so but they have they have systems in place to allow them to see it right and so i just i just feel like you know as a as that as that intense player i wouldn't have wanted those systems to to exist back when i was playing i would have felt gypped mm -hmm. and cheated because i worked hard for that and i could see why those the people who are playing in masters and grandmasters might feel that way I just don't think it's going to really be the case for the majority of Overwatch League viewership and Overwatch players. Hmm. So you're saying, just to make sure I'm understanding you, like the Grandmasters and Masters, you think, want the 2-2-2 two, two, two lock? Or you're saying they do not want it? I think that the Grandmasters and Masters are the ones who want it to exist in both places. I'm saying oh, okay. the people beneath that really won't really wouldn't care. impact them as much. I mean, well, they may care a little bit in their head because that's what you'll read on the Reddit forums and you can switch the, the vibe you'll get. But I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think whether or not that lock gets implemented in Overwatch League and in competitive, <clears throat> I don't think it'll really make that much impact mm -hmm. on the viewership of those of us where the majority of us live, which is actually silver and gold. It's not even like platinum sure. or diamond. Platinum and diamond yeah. still only account for, really, that's still the upper echelons, even though people make the higher ranks make fun of plats. Mm -hmm. so. Sure. And I, I agree with you. Um, however, I would still say 2-2-2 lock is necessary for league sustainability because as a player, to have your entire role become irrelevant can be devastating to your career. 2-2-2 lock at least provides some more job security in a video game that you already have to worry about shifting metas and your hero going out of meta 
that can be already devastating enough losing your entire role we've seen it hit players hard we just had that video come out this weekend of say you'll be after goats hit thinking about retiring from the game right right um like but like we just said a few minutes ago i mean we were just talking about though part of those kinds of things comes from these players and this immaturity of this league and the fact that these players didn't go through a a very lengthy process where they may have had to change roles and change positions. Yes. Like, but now like imagine a scenario where DPS like goats doesn't fall out and goat stays meta for two, three years. Like why would you even hire DPS players anymore? You would right. just pick up supports and off tanks. And then like all of a sudden, okay, we finally shipped out of that meta. There's no DPS players left. Right. Like, I feel like you can't have like, imagine being a quarterback and then one day it turns out that you don't need a quarterback anymore because you only do running plays like there's no such thing as passing anymore like that that would be detrimental to the game like your position just ceases to exist like oh well the meta now is to run four people in the off field instead of um three basemen and a shortstop so we don't need a shortstop anymore you're off the team um i don't i don't like seeing roles disappear that makes like i want I want, if you're an off-tank player, you should know I can focus on these off-tank heroes and there should always be a place to me if I'm proficient. Maybe my neighbor who's better at me than Zarya um, will be subbed in if we shift away from Diva to Zarya, but at least I know like I can grind that hero and like I still have my niche. I still have my role versus I if I want to be a successful pro player and I don't want something to happen to my career where I fall off fall onto the bench and just fall out of the league, I need to have a mastery over all 30 heroes. It's I, just, it's I a little that. too much. That does seem as that, that, that seems like a reasonable argument, but I think most of the other arguments that are out there, yours is the first one that I've seen that makes me go. Yep. If two, two, two lock gets implemented anywhere, it needs to get implemented everywhere. Um, and even in the league. Um, but mm-hmm. all the other arguments I've seen so far have not really been convincing and, and at least for me, haven't really held any water. So that's Reddit for you, right? Uh, that's really <laughs> anywhere. I mean, Reddit, yeah. dis- dif- various discords. Shoot, even on the mm. Facebook, I'm on some of the groups of Facebook because I'm managing our Facebook page, and I'm just like, right. I don't think these hold very much water. Anyways, mm. let's push through. <laughs> let's push away from well, this because anybody. Hopefully, can talk about Gladi- this time. the uh, Gladiators Legions will join one of your Facebook groups, and then you'll have a lot more water. <laughs> <laughs> all right so seven seven teams so far have clinched their playoff spot with a 5-2 or better for stage three playoffs just like you just like you predicted just all according to keikaku my friend there it is uh, <laughs> and there's even a potential for the eighth slot to be five and two although that's not there, guaranteed there really is i mean I, you'd assume the Shanghai Dragons are going to be able to beat the Guangzhou Charge again mm-hmm. after their last performance. And you assume the Philadelphia Fusion should at least be able to beat the Washington Justice. That puts both of those teams at four and three, and then they play each other. Whoever wins that's going to be five and two, baby. So I think every team's going to be five and two going in. That's it seems like the most likely avenue right now. It, it really does. The only team that has a shot at getting in at four and three at the moment would be the Gladiators, It provided yes. that the Dragons tank. The Dragons have to tank, and then, like, the charge 
would have to lose to the Justice and the, I think, yeah, because I think the I Fusion think and the Charge. The Justice. Well, because they're they're three and three or three and two right now, the right? Charge are two and three, but they're it's, oh, it's right. the map differential that's really good. Right. So Charge would need to win both of their matches, and then Fusion, if they beat the Shanghai Dragons, they would have to lose to the Washington Justice to stay four and three. I, like it's a really hard scenario where yeah. someone doesn't go five and two here. Yeah. Um. It. But yeah, you're right. It's basically looking like the Dragons are going to wind up. At least yeah. five and two, maybe even six. And if and someone four. beats the dragons, that team's looking like they're going to be five and two, unless it's the charge. Mm. But if the fusion, if the fusion beat dragons, they're probably going to go five and two. So, so it's it's craziness. The whole <laughs> thing is craziness. Yeah. But you hit the nail right on the head, and it's going to be an amazing stage playoffs. I think. It, I, it's so hard to predict. Like I'm putting my money on Spark, but really I feel like Spark, if they run up against Shock, they can lose. Like I think if they have to do the goats feed goats, like they, their goat seems like the best against non like Sombra teams. But I'm not convinced that if they go up against a traditional strong goats team, that their goats feed goats is going to be able to win out. Um, their style just seems to be really adapting well to the new meta. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I think who you're playing is going to be super important. It's going to be a clash of all sorts of different styles. I'm super pumped for it. Yes. Um, and then this upcoming week, this is the Atlanta homestand week. Right yeah, now, baby. Right now, every ticket for Saturday has been sold. There are no tickets available oh, left sick. available for Saturday. Sunday, however, still has a reasonable spattering of tickets in there. So anybody who wants to get in on that, Sundays. I wonder why that is. I'm I'm not but sure why it is. Do you guys not want to watch Mangachu and Defran one v one with Torbhammer only? I, like I I don't know. Maybe that's Sunday why they decided tickets, to do that people. to try and sell the Sunday tickets. Maybe. <laughs> that's <laughs> In which interesting. Case, genius marketing strategy. Um, but yes, they've they've had nothing but genius marketing. Uh, <laughs> listen, Atlanta, your marketing has been terrible. It's been awful. Really? I've seen a a random spattering of Facebook ads. I haven't even seen any Twitter ads. And your you haven't released any significant videos. The last video you put out about it wasn't even actually. You were taking videos of like the Superdome or something in Atlanta, where some other convention mm. was going on, and nothing about the center, the uh, whatever energy center that this is actually going to be interested yeah. in. It, Guys, what what have you been doing? The only thing that you've done right so far has been going, "Hey, look, Bren versus Defran one v one Widowmaker," and everybody yes. loved the heck out of that. And, mm -hmm. was, and it seems like the league's pushing that more than anything. Like right. they're picking up their slack, and um, like that's the Atlanta homestand is a week away, and I feel like I know much more and a thousand times more hyped for the Kit Kat rivalry weekend. Yes. Already for the LA Valiant than I am the the Atlanta Rain homestand. Yeah, kick the the Valiant started advertising theirs basically at the begin end of stage two, yeah. beginning of stage before two. Before Atlanta started advertising theirs, for sure. they've advertised harder, better, more content, and it's been great. And honestly, yeah. the the fact that the Atlanta homestand even sold out Saturday is surprising to me, given the minimal amount of advertising they've done. For sure. Now, I think the venue's a little odd. I'm going to be interested as to how that's going to go because it's. Like I think it's still going to be a great event. Oh, it's going to be a great event, but it's in a theater. Theater. It's not in like a stadium kind of a venue. 
So I think that'll be interesting yep. to be like, oh, look, we're here to see a musical Broadway show. Oh, no, eSports. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. Um, plus, it'll add like a layer of class to the Overwatch League that the world has never seen before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. So that's going to be that's gonna be a blast. But only Sunday tickets are available. So if you want to go, you can get a ticket for Sunday right now. Um, and Alarmor will be there. Yeah, I'm going to be there. So if you're going to be there, um, you know, at me on Twitter and, you know, you can meet me in like the hallway by the merch table. I'll be in a big yellow mm-hmm. shirt that says Mayhem on it. Or, yes. Yes. It'll be probably easy to find. It, 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 <laughs> there, I imagine there will not be a ton of us, but there will yes. be some of us. Probably and, a fair number, more than you've ever seen in your life. That's true. That's what I'm expecting. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So do we have a game to look forward to next week, Haller? Honestly, no. As a Florida fan, I'm looking towards the Atlanta game. But um, next week, all the matchups seem really, really mismatched. I would say, oh, here's the match to look forward to. Come on, um, give it to me. Fusion oh. versus um, the Shanghai Dragons. I don't expect it to be a good ma- game, but this is the game that's going to decide who goes to playoffs and who doesn't. Maybe the Fusion will step up and look really good. I think that's your one real shot of a good game in the Atlanta rain homestand. Cause other times it's looking like good teams versus bad teams. Most uh, of the way through. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you. This is going to be the first time I've disagreed with you on what's going to be the best looking game going forward. Okay. I have a strong Maybe, feeling you. that the defiant versus the rain game is going to be a great game going forward. Actually. Yeah. That could be pretty interesting. Yeah. Defiant are looking better. Atlanta is, a big question mark on them so right. yeah that could turn out pretty good With, i mean but we know that atlanta is capable of putting out a good show we just watched toronto mm-hmm. be put out the best show as far as i'm concerned that they've ever put out watching logics hit headshots is always exciting like mm-hmm. I, I don't see anything but hype for that particular game and that's yeah. the game that's going to be on abc at three o'clock on eastern time so yeah it's on saturday yeah so that should be lots of fun mm-hmm. so yeah well we did it. Let's hit Florida real quick. Um, going forward, we okay. already sort of mentioned that their chances of victory against New York, I'm not expecting much. I don't think anybody is. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. New York has adapted well to this meta and is really yeah. showing us a good show, especially with Safety OB in their lineup. It just looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, just like it's hard to tell if Toronto stands a good chance against Atlanta, it's hard to tell if Florida stands a good chance against Atlanta because um, we just we didn't see Atlanta this week. They've been losing to good teams, but mm-hmm. how's that affecting their mental state? How are they going to be doing? And how's Florida's synergy going to be building up with their new teammates? Yeah. Right, like a synergy rebuild is a spooky thing because mm-hmm. when you first put your team together, it's going to look weird. It's going to look off. It's going to look uncomfortable because it is. They're trying to learn each other's habits and things, and that's what it looked like this past week. So really the question will be how much can Florida put that together in this upcoming week while traveling, which is going to be a little extra added stress there, and how much can Atlanta calm themselves and put out a good performance. So there's just a bunch of question marks around that. But, you know, um, we're basically going to be going into a break right after that, though, and that'll be Florida's Mm -hmm. real time to put their stuff together. Atlanta's our best chance before stage four. So just look out for that game. I don't have my expectations high, but yeah, um, maybe something happens. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hopeful, though. I'm going mm-hmm. to yell for them anyways. Of course. 
as we always do. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that is the end of our time today. Thanks for tuning in. Yes. Um, thank you to Pop Doc mm -hmm. for all of their support and help with us for everything that we do. Remember, we're available on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and every other major podcasting platform. Make sure to follow us on social media for all sorts of news and behind-the-scenes looks. Um, and that's it. I'm Allure. Yeah. I'm Haller. I'm going to go climb a mountain. So you guys have fun, and we will see you probably not next week. No, we probably so, will not have so a show next week. <laughs> um, I will be traveling back from the homestand during the recording um we may do a delayed show but i imagine there just won't be a show next week is what's looking the most yeah. likely so um be prepared for the next week to have a bunch of hype instead <laughs> it'll be weird but it'll be fun mm. um yeah so you've been tuned in to cowl fans bye-bye